0: This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to Innovation in Compliance. In this podcast series, I will bring you interviews with some of the leading experts who are changing the way practitioners approach compliance. Although the name compliance is in the title, it's really about innovation. And I wanted to drive the conversation about innovation in compliance into the twenty. 30s and beyond with a focus on innovations for the compliance practitioner and the compliance professional. You want to learn how to bring your business into an innovative state and more innovative business solutions for compliance problems, issues, and concerns. This is the podcast for you. Innovation and Compliance is a production of Compliance podcast network today i'm joined by tyler barron who is the chief revenue officer at encapture we'll talk about several innovative approaches encapture has developed around banking compliance which not only meets regulatory requirements but saves money and increases bank's roi i know you'll enjoy this episode everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and I'm thrilled today for two reasons. First of all, I have Tyler Barron with me from InCapture, but second of all, a fellow Texan. So I don't get to do that very often, but we're going to celebrate in Capture, we're going to celebrate Tyler, and we're going to celebrate the great state of Texas. So Tyler, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Yeah, Tom, thanks for having me on. Yeah, there'll definitely be a no hiding of accents today since all I'm amongst right. fellow Texans here.
0: Appreciate so it, could uh, could you tell us your professional background, Tyler? Yeah, so I've been
1: around early growth software companies pretty much my whole entire career. I've been with and capture. This is coming on my fourth year. It's been a really great journey. I am my responsibility here. I'm chief revenue officer. And really that's managing and the strategy behind our go-to-market teams. So the way in which we engage banks and customers and take them through the journey of ultimately evaluating our products and figuring out a way to, to bring them into paying subscribing members of our software and Capture. But uh, yeah, I've been around this uh, pretty much my whole entire career. I've been in a lot of different industries in terms of software companies that the solutions provided, everything from construction and oil and gas and manufacturing to government and higher ed. This was actually my journey here in Capture was my first time really engaging with the financial services industry as a vendor and a service provider. And it's been a really good experience. It's been different. I think all these different industries have their own unique challenges, but it's a it's been a good journey.
0: So could you tell us a little bit about and Capture? You touched on who some of your client base is, but what are your key products?
1: Yeah, so we're actually more of a platform than an individual product. So really what we do is we provide a machine learning platform for banks, c- credit unions, lenders that ultimately helps them become more efficient in their process around just back office steps, but like in particular, and one of the things we'll probably speak on a lot today, just a lot of this compliance and data reporting and data collection. So, you know, a lot of these processes that we help banks and lenders with, they're having to individually go and look at documents, collect this data ultimately spend a lot of time scrubbing this data, making sure it's correct, and then getting it into a reportable format for whatever regulatory body. And what we're able to do is, as a machine learning platform and a document automation tool is triangulate those three pieces, which is looking at the documents, using machine learning to automatically recognize what they are, figure out if there's any inconsistencies in data, and then ultimately make teams more efficient with that reporting process and allow them to proceed more confidently, knowing that they're submitting correct data to the regulatory authorities.
0: What is the document lifecycle?
1: That's a good question. Ultimately, as it relates to the customers we work with, it's really when and where, what documents they're being engaged with the customer. Ultimately, we would deal a lot with lending life cycles. There's the point of exception, right, to where these documents are being received into these banks, into these lenders. And those documents are being received from lots of different channels. And and that's an interesting problem, right? You got people submitting bar supply documents via email. People come into branches still and submit documents. You still got folks that are taking, taking pictures of it and people that are mailing stuff in. So you've got all these different documents come in from all these different channels. And just from an overall compliance and standardization standpoint, it actually creates a lot of risk and a lot of blind spots for an organization that's trying to optimize process and really measure the metrics of their business because if it's going into all these different buckets and there's really no good way of tracking that, then that's a blind spot in itself. So as it relates to the document life cycle, that point of inception is something that, that we triage first, which is, Hey, how do we put like an enterprise blanket on which the, all the different way documents are received at inception. So ultimately we can get them into the right pipelines and processes. And then ultimately, as those documents mature throughout a process, ultimately they're used for data entry into business systems. That's the point at which we're seeing those documents being utilized for a business process. And then ultimately, whenever they're done, they're being archived and stored um, within some sort of document repository or whatever it might be, just the way they have accurate records around that stuff.
0: You mentioned the regulators and Mm -hmm. one of the standard lines I've used in generally compliance for 15 years is if it's not documented, it never happened. And how does this process or indeed the Encapture platform help companies or your clients, I should say, not simply use the information that's in the documents they're receiving, but provide an audit trail should the regulators come knocking and want to look at that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, that's something that comes up pretty often is that the perfect world all processes are very similar. And I'll keep using these lending examples because they're easy examples. And every loan, let's take a mortgage for example, is a straight-through application. They apply, ultimately it's the same property that they applied for it was the property that that ultimately gets a credit decision and gets funded and all that stuff gets documented. But the reality is that there's always situations because you're dealing with an outside party, meaning meaning the customer and borrower, Well, maybe the property changes, maybe they miss a close date and they've got to issue new disclosures because interest rates changed or whatever it might be. And so there's all these kind of little situational contexts that require a lot of triaging between compliance and operations teams. And what we've seen is that if you just simply just pass all this data through, then somebody needs to provide a documented explanation around why something was handled the way it was handled. And so what we do around things like HMDA compliance for mortgage or CRA for business lending is ultimately collect those data points. And whenever there's a discrepancy between what's being addressed in the documents and what was put into their business system, usually their loan origination system and something isn't matching and compliance has to go talk with ops and say, Hey, look, the property address changed or a borrower was added or removed or whatever it might be, then there needs to be the ability to have an explanation, an audit trail around who made that change, when did they make it and why was it made? And ultimately that needs to be archived with the final set of documents. It's the way we've seen that. And those corner cases happen a lot more than what most people think is what
0: we found too. Tyler, is the message that you and your colleagues at Encapture have is, are you talking to boards of directors of banks? Are you talking to chief technology officers? Is the marketplace coming to you? How does that dynamic work for you guys?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I
0: mean, it
1: has a large level of business impact. Folks that are at the board level do get involved, meaning that if we can save a bank, hundreds of millions of dollars on their lending process and ultimately impact their operational efficiency, which ultimately has an impact on the value of their shares, folks are going to get perked up to this. The other thing that we found is that this world around compliance data, especially as it relates to banking and not having good, clean data, can ultimately create a lot of problems whenever boards are trying to make future acquisitions or mergers or whatever it might be because this data gets very highly scrutinized. So if during the due diligence process, regulators that need to approve the merger acquisition, ultimately everybody kind of looks at this, they're like, hey, this is pretty messy. Y'all have a bunch of data issues. That could delay ultimately the growth plans for a bank at the board level to go acquire other banks or sell a bank or merge with another party or whatever it might be. So it, it does ultimately impact some board level issues. I will say the most common path that we're coming in through is whoever ultimately owns the operational metrics of the business at the highest level. So it's usually a chief operations officer, chief lending officer, chief credit officer. The chief financial officer typically always gets involved because our people buy our product to save them time and money. And ultimately, we do a time study based on how folks are doing it today. And then we look at our automation benchmarks and we compare that against it. And we basically do a side-by-side and say, hey, based on your lending volume today versus how it could be in the future, this is going to save you $20 million and $500 per loan and all this. And somebody needs to look at that and say, hey, is that true or not? And, and ultimately, is that going to justify the investment there for the bank? So those are typically the folks that get involved. I will say that our business is highly driven off of word of mouth and referrals. I think in particular too, in the compliance community, anytime we engage with chief risk officers, chief compliance officers, and we go in and do a really great job, there's a really great community around that, really great events. And we get calls from, hey, we talked to chief compliance officer over at Prosperity Bank or Cadence Bank or wherever it might be. And hey, we're really excited about what we heard and want to chat with you. So we get a lot of referrals that way. Also, our platform's not really like a one and done either. It's a you know, we like to go in and this compliance data validation thing that, that I keep talking about with Humden CRA is a very straightforward problem to solve because those data points are regulated, or highly re- regulated and highly defined. A lot of things that we automate can be a little bit more situational based on how they're doing business, what their procedure is from an op standpoint, but as, as it relates to operational thing or to compliance stuff, Pretty straightforward. So where I'm going with this is that's a really great place to get started using machine learning and document automation because it's a very well-defined thing. Things that are very well-defined are things that are great to be automated because they're super repeatable. And ultimately what we'll do is we'll start working with the bank, solve a HMDA or CRA data validation issue. And then we get a lot of internal referrals, especially with bigger banks to where they say, hey, look, we were talking with our chief banking officer and we have this thing that we're having to do to check signature cards on everything. Or, hey, we're looking at expanding our commercial lending group. Is there anything that we could do to help automate the loan boarding process or whatever it might be? A lot of what we do is go in, work with the bank, solve a problem really well, then go find seven or eight different things to do with them just by having a strong partnership.
0: You used the term, I have never heard before, so I want to explore that term. And that term is and was internal referrals. And you explained that a little bit at the end, but I really wanted to amplify that because, as I said, number one, I never heard anyone use it. Number two, it's perhaps one of the most powerful marketing terms I've ever heard. Because, as you Mm -hmm. said, if you have an entry point to a client slash customer at one point because of the job you have done, they will refer you to another entry point into the organization. And by then, hopefully you're an approved supplier. And so it makes that transition quite easy. Can you maybe expand on that? Because that's just really interesting. Yeah, Tom, it sounds like it'd
1: be common sense, but I think whenever you look at, and it's not just software vendors, I think it's just salespeople in general, and I'm not trying to badmouth salespeople, but I think that they've been conditioned over time to go get the sale and hey, you're done On to the next one and that's your job. But if you really have the right product that you have a lot of expansion capability, it's so much easier and candidly a lot cheaper too to continue to maintain a strong relationship and engage with those executive stakeholders and go figure out what else can you can do with them by getting them to open up and share around what are the things that they wanna solve at their particular bank. And uh, one thing that we've tried to do a really good job of is throughout the whole entire process, even after we, we sell a deal, oops, excuse me, screen went blank there for a second. Be there? All good. Okay. Is we want to make sure that the folks that ultimately signed, may are usually a handful are not that. Best. So we do a monthly meeting to basically say, Hey, look, we're still on track. Y'all are still getting, we're still on track for y'all to receive this ROI. And we also phase that ROI most of the time too, to where we say, hey, look, you know, we know we laid out a $10 million ROI. We're about to, we're about to roll out phase one. That's going to receive you a million dollars. The solution is going to have paid for itself. And so we want to make sure that folks remember that, hey, y'all paid for something here. Are you receiving the value? And a lot of times salespeople have just been conditioned to say, hey, I did this, I'm going to ride off into the sunset and good luck. And it's silly, C-suites anywhere are super busy. So it's important to remind them like, hey, you're getting what you paid for. Now, what else can we do for you? And then also share insight around, hey, we're also talking to these other banks. Here's other things, other problems that they're hearing. Here's other industry trends that they're hearing that we could potentially solve. So bringing intentional insight and value to the table is something that that we try to do. And, and honestly too, look, big software implementations are not easy projects and, but helps to make sure that the executive sponsors on our end and their end stay engaged. But a lot of it is just being intentional about it and just making sure that you're taking care of folks because ultimately once you become an approved vendor somewhere, it's such a challenging and thorough process, especially at financial institutions, just to become a vendor. It's like, why wouldn't you utilize that to, to go do more and more with them since you've already been through that
0: process. Most of the companies I've been around in terms of their sales process, they don't do that. They look at it. I don't want to say a one and done, but that may be it in reality, but they want to move on to the next opportunity and they're missing the internal opportunity. Is that something you, your sales team really talks about and thinks about? And when you bring on a new, sales associate that's part of the overall training from incapture yeah it's part of the overall
1: training it's part of our go-to-market strategy it's our culture um, you, we take a lot of pride in making sure that the experience is very uniform right that they don't deal with a salesperson for six months and then they sell a deal and they're like yeah i never talked to that person again after that that's a bad experience right and so that's we've ingrained that into our culture but also We've really encouraged all of our go to market teams. So, you know, the folks that are actually implementing the software and our salespeople to work really well together to go look for those opportunities and go find additional value. Because, Tom, I'll just basically just express what I'm seeing in the market. If you can't continue to deliver year over year value as a vendor right now, especially in the banking space, Every year, somebody's going through a line item of stuff that they're paying for, and they're really asking that question. They're like, what exactly am I getting out of this? And the problem that you solved three, four years ago might not be relevant anymore. Also, they might've found a cheaper way of doing it. And so you really need to make sure that you're continuing to deliver year over year value and that you are seen as being mission critical to the impact of their business.
0: The, where do you see this, the types of services that EnCapture is delivering down the road? Is this really the future? I don't want to say the future of banking, but the future of a part of banking? Yeah, I absolutely
1: feel we've had record quarters here for the past almost a year around this compliance data validation solution. And just in terms of the future of banking as it relates to this, I don't feel like we're part of this next gen AI, we're going to mimic what exactly what people are doing and this thing's gonna learn on its own. And it, we're not a part of that. I think we're way more pragmatic than that, right? To where you're taking technology that's been around for a while, which is document automation, and then you're applying it to a pragmatic situation, which is, hey, from an operational compliance standpoint, What regulators are asking me to do is time consuming and it's costly. And then from a regulatory pressure standpoint, you just look at the overall banking environment, regulatory environment over the past year. Um, Look, I don't have a crystal ball. And Tom, you're probably way closer to this than I am. But ultimately, I haven't talked to any banking executives that think that there's going to be less regulatory pressure in the future. So (laughs) you ultimately look at those three factors and it's okay. this is going to be more and more apparent. We're going to get more and more pressure. We're going to get more and more scrutiny over this. Also, financially, we need to figure out a way to be more efficient, more lean, take these types of technologies and actually apply them to pragmatic situations in our business. And I really feel like what Encapture is a way of taking a technology and solving a simple problem in banking that has a big impact that people kind of surface level don't think there's that big of an issue but if you get into the guts of this thing you're asking folks to collect data if you look at business systems across most banks they don't usually have one system right they usually have four or five different systems three or four different banks have been acquired and rolled up over time compliance teams are ultimately having to go back and look at docs and it's hard to look at all this different data or the data lives here during this point in the process, then it ultimate kind of like the life cycle thing, then it ends here. And so you have all of this data everywhere, right? And ultimately you have the regulatory bodies that are, that have become really data hungry. And I understand why they want to do more and more analysis, but ultimately you're putting the lifeline of the bank on the table by basically saying, what I'm submitting to you is the truth about our business. And Compliance teams are having to do that by really getting into the weeds, manually pulling stuff, manually scrubbing that. And it's just inefficient, right? So I would love to say that we're part of this huge next-gen AI, boom, blah, blah, blah. But I think we're probably more of a company that meets folks where they stand today, right? And and I don't see that changing in the near future because... I feel like folks want to pitch buzzwords and cool technology without really understanding deep level industry applications around, okay, what problem can it actually solve that's going to have an impact on the banks that they're trying to serve? So that was a big long-winded answer, but I feel like we're just, we're a company solving a simple problem to save banks money and protect them around compliance.
0: So I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators and the ones i love are the ones who look at the same problem i do and see a completely different solution and you i think articulated that as well as anyone so kudos but unfortunately tyler we're near the end of our time for this episode but before we leave i wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself and capture what would be best place or places for them to go Yeah, Tom, appreciate it. Definitely
1: have enjoyed it today.
0: If y'all need any other information,
1: want to get in touch with myself or anybody on the Encapture team, just please go to Encapture.com and would love to hear from you.
0: Tyler, I greatly hope we can continue this conversation.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Innovation and Compliance. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. If you are innovative or you have an innovative idea around compliance, give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com or you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'd love to talk to you about being a guest on the Innovation and in Compliance Podcast. The Innovation and in Compliance Podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.